Hey, everybody, this is Jeff Stanek here with Figured Out Baseball. Uh, really excited to have Addison Rouse here on the podcast this morning. Um, Addison Rouse is the head coach at Salem University, a Division II school in Salem, West Virginia. He's also a contributor to the website. He's got quite a few videos on the site. I got to spend some time with him. I was on campus with him when we shot, so got to know him uh, a little bit, and, and um, you know, we, we had a chance to talk a bit. So I, he's, he's a great person, a really good coach. He's a guy that's done some real good things. Excited to have him on the podcast today. Uh, let me give you a little bit of background on Coach Rouse before we jump into questions with him. This will be – he's about to enter his fourth season as the head coach at Salem. Uh, going back to his playing days, he spent two seasons playing at Ohio Valley University, a Division II school in Vienna, West Virginia. He helped the team win the conference and advance to the NCAA regionals in 2006. He finished his playing career at Brescia University, an NAIA school in Owensboro, Kentucky. While he was there, he helped the team win the conference championship in 2009 and advance to the NAIA national tournament in back-to-back seasons in 2008 and 2009. He was selected as a conference all-academic team and was a graduate in 2009 with a degree in English. After that, he spent one season in 2010 as the volunteer at Brescia before moving on to Henderson State as a graduate assistant. Henderson State is a Division II school in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. While at Henderson State, he got his master's degree in 2012. In 2013, he spent one season as the recruiting coordinator back at Brescia before being hired as the head coach at Eastern Nazarene College which is a Division Three school in Quincy, Massachusetts, uh, right around Boston. He was at Eastern Nazarene from 2014 through 2016. His 2016 team had two players selected to the all-conference team, had another player named the Conference Senior Scholar Athlete of the Year that year. Then in 2017, he was hired at Salem University to be the head coach, where he still is right now. His 2018 team finished 19-16 and 16 overall. It was the best win percentage at Salem since they went Division Two. Also in 2018, um, Coach Rouse was named the Independent College Athletic Association Coach of the Year. He had three players named to the All-ICAA team that year. Also had the Conference Rookie of the Year. Then in 2019, this past season, the team won 26 games. That was tying the single-season record at Salem, a uh, record that was set in 1999. They were ranked... Listen to this. They were ranked in the NCAA Division II in the top 25 in home runs, runs, and on base percentage, and were also ranked in the Division II top 10, top 10, all Division II schools in the country in stolen bases, walks, and hit by pitches. They had five players voted to the all-conference team last year, one player named to the all-region team, and they actually also finished with a 3.34 GPA, which is always impressive to see that their success on the field and off. Uh, Coach Rouse, really appreciate you spending some time with us today. Uh, Jeff, I'm I'm humbled to be here, and and I greatly you know appreciate this opportunity to to get on a call with you and and to share some things and and answer your question. Yeah, man, looking forward to picking your brain. Uh, we got into some stuff right before uh, we started recording this that I would like to get back to, but I typically like to start with something from the bio that kind of stands out. And the first thing was just how quickly you uh, got into a head coaching role. You know, a lot of guys will spend a lot of time as an assistant coach before they feel comfortable taking a head job, uh, but you got your first head coaching job in 2014, and you just graduated in 2009, five years after graduation. What was that like for you as a young coach, uh, a guy that young to take over a program, um, especially a Division three school in the Northeast, probably not an incredible amount of resources. What was that like for you as a young guy to take over a program like that? 
No, you, you were dropping all those, those bio nuggets, and I'm just, man, I'm, I'm grateful for this journey, and um, it's, it's been, it's been incredible. I, I couldn't ask to, to script it any better, and you know, I was, I was an, I was an import to New England. Those people up there, you know how it is. Those, those New Englanders, I have a lot of great friends there, and a great, a lot of great relationships, and those people up there, they're very loyal to their people. Um, but you know, I was at a situation where I was a GA in Arkansas, so my boss that hired me is the head baseball coach of Arkansas Monticello. They're actually about to open up down in Minute Maid Park this weekend. And he hired me. I was in his basement, and he calls me about a week after I arrived in Arkadelphia and says, I'm, I'm heading to Monticello. Um, you know, you got to find a place to live. And, and they promoted the head assistant, Coach Cody Hooten, is still there and led the Reddies to a World Series bid and, and has been extremely successful. He got promoted. So it was me and him in the office. And here I am, 22 years old. All of a sudden, he says, you know, here's recruiting, here's fundraising, here's scouting reports, here's, you know, compliance, Go, go here's the hitters, here's the outfielders, go figure it out. And, you know, I'm 22 at a really high level and eyes wide open, probably, you know, failing. He could probably tell you the stories of me failing, but, you know, it, it, it threw me it threw me to the fire. It prepared me. It, it, it kind of groomed me as you speak. It hardened me a little bit. You know, I just learned a lot and I grew and. I went back to Brescia, and, and you know, I, I got a lot of autonomy with, with Coach Biddle there at Brescia that year. We had a, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of success that season, and uh, I felt like I was ready. You know, I had my Masters, and I had been thrown to the fire early in my career, and I was prepared. And you know, if there was a head job open in America, you know, I, I, I applied for it, and, you know, put my resume out, my cover letter, and, and felt like I had a, enough credentials to, to, to get an opportunity, and. The job at Eastern Nazarene opened up, and, and I can and share a little bit of that story. And I flew from I was in I was coaching in Canada in the summer, and I flew from Calgary to Chicago to Philly to Boston. Landed at 11 p.m. one night. Interviewed the next day and was offered the job by 5 p.m. And, and then there's and the rest is history. And you know I, I immediately had that chance. And you know I'm obviously a lot more wiser now than I was there, but it was definitely. You know, extremely humbling to to be a head to be a head guy so early in, in my career, and you know, grateful for the athletic directors and the administration for taking a chance on a you know young coach full of a lot of energy that that had a lot to learn. Certainly, uh, what what kind of what kind of budget did you have up there just to do much? You know, re- recruiting, hiring assistant coaches, um, you know, kind of managing all that stuff um, as a as a young coach. Uh, how much did yeah. you know? What kind of resources did you have as far as the school kind of helping you out to get you started? Oh gosh, it's you know Eastern Naz is a special place, and and it's a it's a, it's an incredible place to work. And it was a great opportunity for me. But if I'm being transparent, you know, you know at the small school level, um, you don't have a lot. I mean, our our budget for the year was was five thousand dollars, and we had to fundraise for for everything. I mean, uniforms and baseballs and bats and any equipment and we, you know, we had that, we had to charge some at some point in time. I'd ask the guys to, you know, Hey, find, find a way to take care of this, you know, because we wanted to take care of them, and give them a, you know, first class experience. And we used the city park and, and that was pretty stingy on, you know, us using it. And we had a field on campus that, you know, it was incredible. You know, it was, we took care of it. The grounds guy was an alum and he was a great resource, but it was on a swamp. It was in a swamp. It was on a, uh, marshland. So if it rained, we were stuck for four days. I mean, I remember one time it it snowed and the, and the field froze and it defaulted and we didn't get. I, I we were not outside for seven straight days of being inside because of the field. 
so wet. And, um, we, we had a cage inside by my office, one cage, no machine, no, not, we had not, I mean, old raggedy L screen and, and, and our, our turf, the mat that we laid down was old wrestling. That was our, our, <laughs> our like the surface that would slide. Every time the guys would hit it, it would slide and their feet would go everywhere. And, you know, balance was a <laughs> balance was an issue. And, um, you know, assistant wise, I, you know, I had a part-time assistant that would only be able to make it to practice. And that was not every, every day. So I was the pitching coach, the hitting coach, the, um, the catching coach, the infield coach, the outfield coach. I did all, you know, did everything else in the office and also top full time. So, and then I was an advisor and site supervisor and all the other different hats you had to wear at the small school division three level. So, you know, I, I had to grow up pretty fast, you know, I'm 26 years old thinking I got it all figured out and I got to let, you know, and, and, I, and, and maybe I, you know, I thought I had a good idea, but you know, with, with those resources and, um, you know, the lack of, of, of assistance and help, it, you know, it was it was a nonstop 24-7 deal. And to be honest with you, I loved every bit of it, and, and it taught me a lot. That's what I was going to say. You probably worked, you know, 22, 23 hours a day and uh, found a little time to catch a nap here and there. Uh, but, yeah. but pretty pretty amazing what, what goes on at the lower levels. And that's kind of, kind of why I wanted to ask that. Just uh, I just think it's always interesting and it's always eye-opening, especially when, you know, if you're a part of a program like that, if you're a player or the parent of a player who's at a smaller school, sometimes you, you just really need to step back and appreciate all that the coaches are doing and all the hats that they're wearing. And, and yeah. just it's, it's amazing at a bigger school. Like at a, uh, I saw some guys at a coaches convention a couple weeks ago, some Division two coaches, and we were talking about at the Power 5 schools, they've got director of baseball operations, they've got player development, they've got a bunch of guys on their staff that are not technically coaches. And uh, you yeah. know, the, the head coach was like, yeah, man, we've got an academic advisor, we've got a strength coach, we've got a baseball operations, <laughs> we've got a player development guy, and it's all one person. But that's really how it is. I mean, at, the, at the lower level, yeah. it's like one guy does six, seven, eight jobs. <laughs> Pretty amazing. No, it, to teach on top it, of that. It, it really is. And, and, that's, and I have a great deal of respect. I mean, in New England, you're dealing with the elements. You know what I mean? I'm not, I, didn't wear, I wore a hoodie every day for, on the baseball field for three straight years, you know, and those – and I, you know, I was, you know, from, you know, in the Midwest, in the South, and, you know, I, I, I thought that I was going to be able to go up there, and, you know, and we did a good job. By no, by no stretch, we do a bad job, but I thought I was going to be able to get up there, and, you know, I, I'm this young guy, it's hot shot, we're going to win, and I'll tell you what, those New England coaches, they know their baseball, and they are absolute grinders. I mean, they wear all the different hats, they you know, brave the elements, they work. I mean, they are on the road all the time. And I have so much respect for, you know, the people of New England, the people that I got a chance to, to kind of mentor me. And, you know, that's where I think I figured it out is just being on the road with those guys. And, and you know, this is how you, and this is how you really recruit them. It's every day. And this is how you, you know, get your field ready when there's, you know, a foot of snow on the field and how you, you just got to <laughs> figure it out. And those guys, those guys do a tremendous job. So like you said, you know, yeah, there's some other, you know, levels that are fortunate with, you know, different um, staff members that, that do different responsibilities and different jobs. But at that level, more often than not, you are wearing all those hats, and, and, and they all got to be done correctly or your program's going to suffer. No doubt. Really great perspective there and just a, a really cool insight into what it's like. So then you spend three years at Eastern Nazarene, and then you get hired at Salem University. Uh, and I know that you've told me a little bit about this in the past just from other conversations we've had, but why don't you tell everybody 
give us an idea of, of the state of the program that you took over at Salem when you first arrived. Yeah, so so I got the job. Uh, well, actually, to kind of the to, to break it down, um, I got the job. You know, in late in the year, so it was it was in July, and I had you know I felt like it was time for me to maybe explore some other avenues when I was when I was in New England, and I'd interviewed for some other opportunities, and um, it didn't get the job, and I was set to go back with a pretty good team, and had some, some transfers coming in, and I felt really good about year four, and uh, my mentor, uh, Coach Chad Porter at Ohio Valley, called. Jeff, and he goes, hey, would you be interested in the Salem job? And I, and I said, you know, that's, oh, you know, Coach, you used to pitch me against them, bud. I'm an outfielder. <laughs> you know, and it was, they were pretty bad. And, you know, I, you know, we, we beat them up, and they were kind of the joke of the Wibiac. And, and, you know, there's been some good coaches here, you know, in the past, but it just never had really taken off. And as you saw since the 90s, it had been really struggled. And, um, you know, they just hadn't been able to get it going. And, um, I, I wasn't that interested, in, but but he's my mentor, and you know I told him that I would listen to a, a conversation with the administration at Salem, and he he kind of was the one that spearheaded it and got me connected, and um, you know they started telling me all the things they could do for our program and how they wanted to see it change and transform, they wanted to invest in it, and by the time it was all said and done, the only thing holding me back was was the city, and, and was Boston versus West Virginia, and I promised myself that I would. You know that I was not going to allow a city to determine to determine my path in my career. That no matter where God took me, you know whether it was Alaska, Maine, or, or West Virginia, I was going to go if it was the best opportunity for me and then now my family. So I packed up and headed to West Virginia. And I showed up, Jeff. And we had 16 baseball players, <laughs> not not 17, not 18. We had 16 kids to play a Division II schedule with three regional teams on it. Um, and, and that was, you know, and I remember I brought my assistant in and we, we went, I remember he didn't know all the, everything we had going on. And I took him out to B-dubs one night and said, okay, buddy, we got 16 kids and this is what we're getting into. And, and by the way, we're independent now. We're not, you know, affiliated with the, the GMAC anymore. So, you know, we, we got to, you know, win a bunch of regional games to get a bid and, you know, our backs against the wall, man. And this is what we're, this is what the hand we've been dealt. We have two choices. Either we, try to get out really quick and we rolled the sleeves up and work. And in that moment it was time to roll the sleeves up and work and, and build this thing brick by brick from the ground up. And, and that's what we've done. It's incredible. Really the, the kind of the grinder mindset to go into it. So what exactly does it mean uh, to be independent? How did that come about? Uh, are you guys still independent at this point or have you, did you, are you back in a conference? What does that mean to be a, a college independent? Yeah, so we, we still are. I mean, we still, we're affiliated with that, that ECAC, which is a regional-type directory, which that's where we kind of get those accolades, which is great. It's great for the kids. It's great for the program. But there's no there's no bid there with that. There's no large bid or anything like that. The, the region that we're in is the Atlantic region, which, as you know, is, is ran through the PSAC um, and then the Mountain East uh, here in West Virginia. So um, our, our path to the regional as independent is to win a lot of baseball games and then win regional games. And that we, I got it outlined for me at the convention last year. I, you know, they passed it out. This is the criteria. Win, win your region games, and then beat good teams. And, and we feel like, you know, our first three years, and, and I'm just going to be very transparent, I scheduled and I dictated it in a way that we would build this program. You can't attract recruits. You can't build a program when you're getting your butt kicked in and someone's buying your hotel room. It's not going to work. You're not, people don't want to come to a place that starts the season one and ten, but y'all, you beat 
you know, a top 25 team one time, great, but we're 1 in 10, our batting average is 200, and our ERA is 8. That, that doesn't attract people. That doesn't that doesn't play. Our kids, you know, we think we got a good ball club, and we come back in March, and we're 1 in 10, and we have no confidence. So my goal was to build it, um, schedule in a way that was competitive, and, and, and I thought that we could, we could win some games and compete and challenge ourselves a little bit along the way. And then now that we've entered year four, you know, our goal is to play the PSAC schools, play the better Mountain East schools, and try to do what we can to build a resume that would be attractive enough to, to receive an at-large bid. And, and it's not out of the ordinary. When I played at Ohio Valley, Pitt Johnstown was an independent before they joined the, the, the PSAC and the, or the, or the WYSIAC at the time, and they got a bid. And they had a great year, 30 wins, play a lot of good teams. So you, if you win your games in the region, and you take care of your business, you can give yourself an opportunity to, to get a bid. So that's what we're trying to do here now. The PSAC, for anybody that's not from the area, it's the Pennsylvania State Athletic Association, something along those lines. But the, the Division two schools in Pennsylvania are are surprisingly you know really good. Sometimes just in college baseball in general, you don't think of the Northern Conference as being that good, but it's different in, outside of Division one. Uh, the Division II schools in Pennsylvania are really excellent, and, and they've got teams that are ranked in the top 25 and competing for national championships most every year, and, and that's who you're competing with in your region to get past as well as the schools in West Virginia. Um, yeah. So uh, when do you guys actually start? Just just kind of, uh, again, to give people perspective, when do you start yeah. games? Uh, when does your season actually begin there? So we start next week. We're we're literally a week away from our, from departing. Uh, you know, next Thursday we're out and we're heading to North Carolina um, to open our season. And, and we spend we spend the month of February south. You know, we're going to be in North Carolina a couple times. We're going to be in Southern Kentucky as well as uh, Tennessee. Um, a lot of teams around you know our region do that to open the year. Um, and this weekend actually is the Division II kickoff, and I decided to wait a week to give us an extra week to prepare. Um, and, and, you know, Jeff, we've had a lot of success, but if you look, I don't start off too hot. My, my team, our, our teams, have, we, so we haven't started off too hot at the beginning of the year. I always want to open that first weekend because I'm a, I'm a kid in a candy store. I, I love coming to work every day. I love, I, love, I love playing baseball and competing. And, you know, I'm like, oh, first day we're going. First, you know, for opening day we're, we're, we're in it. And, you know, I decided to, to pump the brakes a little bit and give our, our team a chance for another, you know, five to six days of preparation, which I think is going to pay dividends. Um, and hopefully we can start off a little better than we have the last three years. And uh, But then from a, from a general standpoint, Division Two kicks off tomorrow, um, January 31st. So that, that's exciting. It's incredible how early it opens. And even to open in February, the sec- you know, the first weekend in February uh, is, is nuts. And there's so much preparation that needs to go into that to be prepared. What do you? How do you get your players ready? You know, what are you sending them home with for Christmas break? Uh, because obviously these guys have to be doing a lot of at home. You know, before they come back, they're probably only on campus for less than a month before you guys open up. So what's that like as a head coach? Yeah. You know, what are you doing with these guys to get them prepared for opening day? Yeah, you know, you you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's. You know, my, my former assistant is now, you know, head coach at NAI level would always say, you, you know, you, you give them the tools and, and then they, you come back and you, like you said, you throw the paint on the wall and you hope it sticks, right? Like, because you just, we don't have any time. We got to, we play baseball in seven days and the fifth we just got back from Christmas. So, so we're super intentional um, about 
the, the, the content we're giving them. So all of my pitching staff, they all had throwing programs, and, and, and I give them a lot of freedom. So my, what I told them is they have a weight program, they have a conditioning program, they have a speed program, all the position guys do. And from a throwing perspective, I said, when you get back, you need to be ready to throw 30 pitches immediately. So they know that they're going to be, you know, they need to put the work in to prepare their arm, prepare their body to be able to throw 30 pitches. And then from a position standpoint, you know, my our new assistant, we just hired a guy by the name of J.T. Heenan has been a rock star, and um, he created individual plans for all of those hitters. So, you know, he said, you know, this is where we've, we've seen some flaws throughout the fall in your swing. Here is uh, a big packet with drills, um, video, tools, all kinds. You know, here's your hitting plan. And, and then we just hope that our guys and our culture is strong enough that they're going to go home, find the facility, find a place to hit, and then come back ready to jump right into it because, you know, that's, that's the expectation here is that they're going to come back ready to go. And then what I do intentionally is I sat down with Coach Heenan over Christmas and I created a checklist. And it had probably 30 things, Jeff, that we needed to cover before opening day. And every day I look at it and go through and go, okay, we need to cover this, this, and this. You know, some things need to cover five or six times. Other things need to cover once or twice. And I feel like, you know, we're doing all we can to make sure intentionally we're prepared for opening day. And you've got to do a lot of this work inside, I'm sure, with the weather. You know, you mm-hmm. are in West Virginia. You're, you're kind of in the, the northern part of the south, but probably technically the south. Um, you know, wh- how do you approach that with your guys as far as not having excuses? You're about to go down south where they've probably been outside a lot more than you have. Uh, how do you approach that with your guys? You know, what's the conversation like with your players about having to prepare inside and having to sort of um, uh, just be a little bit creative in how you're, how you're preparing and, and realizing that when you go play for the first time, it's going to be one of the first times you've been outside since the fall. Yeah, you know, it's, it's adapt and improvise. And, and, you know, Jeff, we've been fortunate, you know, with our, with our turf that you got a chance to come check out. We have been so blessed by some pretty good spring weather. And we have been outside a lot. And this is as good as I've ever felt heading into a spring with our preparation. Because we, we, we've been outside, you know, probably 12 times already, which is crazy. Um, but with that being said, we've also had two inside practices, We've had a day where we couldn't do anything because of the cold and we had no place to go. So we had a, you know, chalk talk team meeting day and, you know, live by pitchers in the pool and we had hitters meetings. And so, you know, it, it's just a matter of adapting and, and like you said, not making excuses. And, and to me, that starts from the minute you get here on campus is, is having, you know, that mentality, having that mindset as an organization that whether we're outside in January or we're in an indoor cage barn setting or we have an indoor facility here locally that we're able to use, it's going to change, and it may change every day. And your job is to show up ready to work, whether it's an hour or two hours or three hours, whether we're in a meeting setting or whether we're having a full practice or a cage setting. It's your job to come ready, come prepared, and we're going to give you all the tools and all the resources and do everything that we possibly can to get you prepared, but you've got to have a great attitude because it's contagious. I mean, we talk about body language. We talk about energy. We talk about making, you know, elite behaviors and and the those things affect your preparation when, when it's bad and when you got a group that's making excuses and, you know, isn't, isn't wanting to put in the work and um, that kind of thing. So like you said, we may, you know, we may be um, behind in previous years because we go play these organizations that have been outside since they got back. But, you know, right now we are very fortunate. We've been outside. And I think, 
you know, as good as any any year ever that I've been doing this. I think we are ready to go, and, and I hope it, it, it portrays itself that first weekend. Just uh, I, again, uh, this is this is becoming a podcast of giving people a lot of perspective. What's your what's your weather temperature cutoff? Like, if it's this temperature <laughs> or above, we're going outside. Because I know that as a I've coached at, at some northern schools, and even as a high school coach oh, yeah. in Pennsylvania, yeah. I told my players. I, I know what I told them. I just kind of want to see what you tell your players to prepare them, prepare them mentally. Like we're going to go outside when it's not very comfortable. So what do you tell yeah. your guys on that? What's your cutoff? It is, it is a 32, 32 to 35 plus. Let's be, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to pull that card 35 degrees and above. We're outside. <laughs> that's the, that's the deal. And, <laughs> and I, I've gotten softer. So, and, and if coach <laughs> Porter ever listens to this and I have an alley, he would, we would wear a hoodie when we stretch, and he would. It was, it was t-shirt and whatever Under Armour you could find. No beanie. Put your hat on. Baseball pants and get out there. And so we we do have. You know, we wear baseball pants to practice every day. Um, but I do allow hoodies and a beanie when we're doing some some light work and more drill sessions. Um, and then when we turn it up to inner squad, then you know we we prepare like we're playing a baseball game and they got to wear what they would wear during a game. But I, I try to have some feel because if, if I'm being honest, Jeff, I'm, I'm looking like an Eskimo. I got, I got my parka on, my beanie, my gloves. <laughs> you know, I got three Under Armors on. So I, I try to be lenient because to me, I just want them to prepare and, and get ready. And being outside is the best way to do that. And, you know, it's, it's a mental toughness thing. I mean, if it's 35, we're out. I mean, it's, that's what we do. And that's, and, I, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I speak for not only myself, but a lot of people in this business that, that's that's very common. I mean, if it's 35 and above, and we have a baseball game to play in a month, everybody in America is going to be outside if they can do it. That's right, because you got to play. What I used to tell my guys is like, hey, if we would play on this day, then we're going to practice in it, and and you're going to play in the mid to upper 30s. Sometimes they're not going to cancel yeah, a game if it's sunny and 35, and there's no snow on the field. So you got to you got to practice in that stuff too, even though it's not maybe not a lot of fun. Uh, I thought it was interesting that oh, you yeah. mentioned with your hitting coach that. You know, he sent guys home with kind of ideas of what they needed to do and some drills and things like that. And that's part of, you know, just really quick touching on the website. And you've got quite a few videos yeah. on the website. But I think that one of the things that Figured Out Baseball does is allow, you know, for coaches to be able to do that and hopefully have some videos they can send to a hitter and say, like, hey, I think this is something you need to work on. Check out this video. Or even going into practice, I think it can be a great resource for coaches uh, to give themselves some extra tools some different drills, different way to say something, different way to present something, and um, hopefully, you know, figured out can provide that sort of resource for a guy that's not quite as qualified as, as say, your hitting coach would be. Um, no, I think what you're doing is tremendous, Jeff. I mean, I, I think we should have it. Content is is where we're at in, this, in, in development right now, and being able to, like you said, look at videos and learn. I mean, I, I went on there, Jeff, after I put my videos on there, I watched four or five videos, and I took notes, and I got stuff from it. So, you know, being able to humble yourself and learn from all these different resources is just going to better, you know, your programs. No doubt. I talked to, we have some new video, uh, a lot of new videos coming on the website, but I've talked to a guy that uh, just submitted his first videos in the past week. He's got some catching videos, and I was talking to him yesterday, and I said, hey, I was a catcher's coach in college, uh, you know, at a, at a couple of my stops, and I said, you presented some yeah. things in a way that I've never heard it presented before, and it made me think about it differently, and, and I thought it was really cool. I thought yeah. it was great. And there's just always so much That's to awesome. learn if you're willing to keep your, you know, keep an open mind yeah. about it. Um, so going into the season, we talked about your preparation, talked about what you're doing with your guys. You're starting in a week. Uh, you told me right before we jumped on, uh, right before we started, we hit record, 
that you feel like you have a really good team this year and, and your job is to kind of, uh, as the head coach, is, is not to screw it up, kind of get out of the way and let the guys play a little bit. Um, just <laughs> yeah. curious to hear, hear a little more about that. You know, when you go into the season as the head coach, and, and this is a, you're now in your seventh year as a head coach, how much have you matured over time to where you, you are able to just sort of stay out of the way and let the guys play and not overcoach it, not try to, um, cr- uh, I guess, manipulate the game too much as a head coach and, and sort of let your players just do their thing? Yeah, you know, you know, Jeff, this is a this is the first for me. We, you know, I've always been a builder. You know, all these programs that I've been to have required building and 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 starting from you know the ground up with recruiting. And, and now, you know, this will be the first chance to see it through with an older ball club. Um, you know, we will start five or six seniors, and we'll have you know a bunch of other juniors on the baseball field. Yeah, everybody who starts opening day will be a junior or senior. Um, and, and I think. As much as I love young talent, there's a lot to go about, you know, when you have experience and you have veterans that have been there and done that um, and, and are prepared and have done it for multiple years in their career. So, you know, as we get into this this season, yeah, I'm excited, but you know what? So is everybody in America right now. Um, everybody, if you ask, if you sit down with any coach in the business right now, I would be really shocked if someone said they weren't anxious or excited about their ball club. So. You know, I'm excited. I, I'm very anxious to kick off this year. But, but my thing is in the past, and you know, I, I love managing managing a team. I, I love managing a game, and you know, I love our style. As you as you hinted on earlier, all the success we've had with the statistical categories. It's a pretty fun brand of baseball. But you know, right now with our guys, I just want to manage them well. You know, I want to man. I want to be a great leader for them. I want to, you know, I want to keep our chemistry, our culture where it needs to be, and I want to lead them well, and I want to let them play and. And, and kind of be that, you know, be that manager that, that, that guides them, you know, from a leadership perspective, from a motivational perspective, um, demands a lot, expects a lot out of them. But when it comes time to the nitty-gritty, I, I believe these guys have earned the right to play. They, they've earned the right to, to compete. And, you know, I'm going to hopefully put them in position to succeed and, and let them do what they're, you know, here for. And, and I'm excited to watch them perform this season. As a team that finished in the top ten in the country among NCAA Division II teams in stolen bases, um, do you give the green light to guys, or are you calling stolen bases, or is that uh, player to player? How do you how do you manage that part of the game? Yeah, no, I'm glad you asked because it's it's kind of a funny our, our our stolen base philosophy is really funny. I mean, we we do I put fields on, you know, I try to read read pitchers, read counts, and, and we do run. Um, by my dictation, you know, we also give the green light. I also allow our, our first base coach to kind of, you know, send a, a nonverbal cue to, 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 to tell a guy to go. But, you know, the way I break it down, Jeff, is we don't, we don't do any of those. You know, there's a, been a lot of content on stolen bases here over the last five years, and the guy at stealingbases.com is, is kind of taking headway in our game. We, we just run. I mean, we don't do anything special. We get about a, you know, uh, we have a safe lead. We have a steal lead. So we have two different leads that we, that we do. Um, and to me, all we're doing is running in a straight line, you know, 78 feet, essentially. While, you know, to me, Jeff, a pitcher has to probably be quick to the plate. He's probably got to throw a, a fastball rather than a breaking ball. Um, the catcher, it's going to be a strike and where the catcher can receive it. The catcher has to, you know, receive that throw. And, and then, then the catcher's got to get it out of his glove. The catcher's got to throw it to the, to the second baseman or shortstop. The shortstop has to receive it and then tag you, and all you got to do is run in a straight line. <laughs> so there's about seven or eight things that if they go wrong, you're safe. 
and all we got to do is run. So it's a mentality here. I mean, it's a mentality. It's an expectation. We like to put a lot of pressure on the defense. And like I said, I hinted to, one thing goes wrong in about seven or eight different, you know, variables, you're safe. And all I'm asking you to do is run 78 feet. So it's pretty easy. That's how we do it, you know. And, and we and we practice it a lot. Though in the fall, we give our guys the green light. If they get thrown out, they can come back. You know, so we do a lot of different things to kind of say, hey, listen, it's a mentality. Start practicing it now. So if you get tossed out in a game with inter-squad and you're trying to impress us as a staff, you're fine. No worries. We'll bring you back. We'll reset. So we, we try to prepare them you know, right away when they get here. You've touched a little bit on this. This is probably the last question before we've got to cut it off here, Coach Rouse. But we've talked uh, quite a bit about just what your team has done, um, some things that you believe in. But give me maybe just a couple of elements that you believe are absolutely essential to you continuing on the path of success at Salem. And then once you've kind of reached where you want to, sustaining success what are some things that you just you cannot do that without what are some of the most important elements to having a successful um consistent baseball program college baseball program man you you just dropped the the golden a golden question on me you know and i that hold on jeff hold on a second Hey, I had to, you can put this on the podcast. Our recruits came back, so I had to put you on mute. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. In the middle of the day, this is what you get out of it. Um, but no, you asked you asked a really cool question, and that, that's one of the first times I've been you know, been asked this question. And um, you know, if you ask me the three most important elements to running a high level program, I think number one is is creating a family atmosphere. Um, you know, we. Um, you know, we Jeff here, you know, my family's very involved. My wife's around all the time. My kids are around. And, you know, you, I think the, the biggest cliche in sports is, you know, people say, you know, family, family. And you know, we want to embody it. So, you know, we do, you know, team Christmas parties to promote our culture. We do community service. You know, my, my wife and kids are around. You know, our other staff members, families are, are more than welcome around. The parents of our program are around. So, you know, we want to embody family. We want to embody what that culture and what that looks like. Um, Number two is we want to be intentional about our chemistry and our culture. You know, so our guys, you know, we, we try to develop character. We try to be intentional about how we develop young men in our program. You know, we want, to, we, we want them to one day be better fathers and better husbands and better citizens. So we are very intentional about our growth and our development in those areas. And then number three would be um, sticking, you know, to our, you know, our, our values and you know, our core beliefs, and that would be with the hard work and, and, and the grind in it, and we want to embrace, you know, we want to embrace development. You know, I think right now is whether it's number one through 40 on our roster, you know, we're going to do all that we possibly can to develop players and, and get them prepared to make an impact in our program and then maybe, you know, even play professionally. But I think that that's intentional. You know, that you got to recruit them. you gotta, you got to coach them up. you got to continue to recruit them. You know, even when they're here, you got to love on them, and you gotta, you got to, you know, you got to continue to, to work, you know, if they have a flaw, you got to be intentional about the way that you're developing it and the way that you're preparing them. And, you know, I think when you create a family atmosphere, when you hold, you know, when, when you do that, when you create, you know, an elite culture and then you invest in their growth as a player, I think that you're going to be able to create a high-level uh, program that's going to be able to, to compete at a really high level and, and, and build young men. Great answer. And being able to do that on a consistent basis is no doubt going to produce Really good teams at Salem, and uh, if you move on from there, anywhere else you go. Uh, Addison Rouse, everybody, he's the head coach at Salem University. 
a Division II school in Salem, West Virginia, and a guy that we're really, really blessed to have as a part of Figured Out Baseball. Uh, he's got uh, quite a few videos on the website and more coming at figuredoutbaseball.com. It's a free resource for anybody that's listening to this with hundreds of videos from college and pro coaches, um, really what we believe is a great resource, as well as these podcasts. We have a lot of podcasts with similar guys to Coach Rouse that uh, are maybe not at the biggest program, but guys that are, are certainly worth listening to and uh, just learning about this level of baseball. is always It's always great to me to hear just the things you go through and, and what you do on a day-to-day basis. But Addison Rouse, guy's a, a true grinder, a baseball rat, a positive leader, someone who's completely invested in his guys and what he's doing and a really good leader of young men. Um, you can see more from him at figureitoutbaseball.com. Coach Rouse, sincerely appreciate your time here with us this morning. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. And uh, just a little plug. I'm a huge supporter of the website and uh, what you guys are doing, and I hope that you can continue to, to make headwaves in the game of baseball because you're doing an awesome thing for, uh, for our sport and everybody involved. Thank you so much. Your support means a great deal to us. Um, hopefully I'll see you at some point this spring, but if I don't, uh, best of luck to the team, and I can't wait to catch up with you again. Awesome. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it.